Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. You are almighty. You never change. When you make promises, you always keep them. What your word, what, what is in your word, stands forever. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will last forever. It doesn't matter what year we're in, what society we're in, how different the culture is. It doesn't matter any of that. Your word never changes, and its truth never changes. Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that we can anchor our souls into that truth and know that we can always find your life and your power in its words. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless our time this morning, that your spirit would go forth, work in us, uh, and, and change something else about our lives. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There are certain plants and animals in God's creation that have what's called a symbiotic uh, relationship. In other words, one helps out the other. You might have heard that term before. The classic example that we've all heard about this is the oxpecker uh, and the large herbivore animals where the oxpecker feeds on ticks and other blood-sucking insects off the backs of herbivores. However, there are certain examples of symbiotic relationships where the plants and animals need each other to work together in order to even survive. It's not just where one sort of helps the other. They both need each other in order to even survive. One of these relationships is the acacia tree and the aptly named acacia ant. You might need to squint a little bit. It's the acacia ants up here. That's where it's at there. Uh, the acacia tree has these thick thorns on it, as you can see, um, and, and a bitter taste to fend off some herbivores already. But the acacia, acacia tree was created with the ability to possess another characteristic. The acacia tree has thick thorns that a certain type of ant likes to hollow out, and you see the hole there, uh, and make uh, into homes. In addition, the tree has a sweet nectar to attract and feed these adult ants and protein-rich pods to feed the ant larvae. In return, to protect the tree that gives them a home and feeds them, the ant colony swarms and stings any other animals that try to eat different parts of the tree and also destroys rival plants around the tree competing for sunlight and soil nutrients. You don't want to mess with these guys. As if that relationship wasn't enough to convince us that the two species absolutely need each other to continue to live, the acacia tree also includes a certain enzyme in that nectar it feeds to the adult ants that prevents it from eating any other plant's nectar, and any ants that wander off will soon starve to death. Nice tree, right? Another perfect example of a symbiotic relationship where the two species need each other to survive is that of the mint sauce worm and a certain type of algae. The mint sauce worm was created to actually never eat a meal a day in its life, and it does not contain any kind of guts or digestive system. 
when it's in its young stage, it absorbs this certain type of algae. The algae provides the worm with the energy, energy it needs to live, and in return, the algae is provided a home much safer than just floating out on the wide open ocean to be consumed and digested by other marine life. Since the algae needs sunlight to survive itself, these worms congregate on beaches very close to the water's edge. When the tide goes out, the worms make their way to the surface and take in the sunlight for these algae. When the tide comes back in, they retreat back to safety under the sand. I'm sorry for the unfortunate name of mint sauce worm, especially as we have Easter coming up shortly, and you may not be able to look at the mint sauce for your Easter lamb the same way again. Anyways, as we continue on with Jesus' imagery to illustrate an all-too-crucial truth, Jesus, as the true vine, does not need the branches that are supposed to bear fruit in order to survive as a true symbiotic relationship. But the branches that are to bear fruit in order to survive, uh, that, that are to bear fruit 100% without any doubt whatsoever, absolutely need the true vine in order to live. We started off chapter 15 last week with Jesus introducing this image of himself as the true vine and two different types of branches identified with it. The first type is the dead branches, those who claim to be Christians, those who claim to love and follow Jesus, but they've never repented of their sins. And they've never turned to Jesus as both the Savior from those sins and King over their lives. These dead branches that don't bear fruit are completely useless to the true vine. Are not actually connected to the vine and are chopped off and destined to be thrown into the fire. The second type of branch are those that are actually connected to the true vine. Have recognized who they are as hopeless sinners, have repented of their sins, and have turned to Jesus as the Savior from those sins and King over the rest of their lives, and therefore are indwelt by the Holy Spirit to bear fruit. These branches are alive and well, and they will continually be pruned by God the Father as the vine dresser, like we talked about last week, in order to bear more and better fruit. Jesus will contrast the dead branches from the living, fruit-bearing branches in verse 6. Let's see first what leads to the stark difference between branches that do not bear fruit and are really dead and those that are alive and do bear fruit. So if you brought your Bible with you today, please turn to John chapter 15. Uh, we're going to be picking up in verses 4 through 5. If you didn't, that's okay. There should be one located in the pew in front of you. Uh, please also turn to John chapter 15. It's in the New Testament. Uh, and find verses 4 through 5. If you're having trouble finding it, uh, ask a neighbor. There's no shame in that. Uh, or look this up on your favorite Bible app on your smartphone. Chapter 15, verses 4 through 5. Abide in me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, 
you can do nothing. In these verses, Jesus lays the groundwork for how and why the alive branches can bear fruit at all. Remember, who is Jesus speaking to here in this passage? Pharisees? No, who's he talking to? Okay, thank you. <laughs> He's talking to his disciples. The 11, anyway, who still continue to believe in him and follow him. Let's first start with the word for abide here. Your version may use the term or the word remain, which I think is the better way to understand this. This concept originates back in John chapter 6, verses 54 through 56. So a ways back here, this idea originates with, this ver with these verses. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. When we cover these verses, you'll remember that Jesus purposely used them to shock and disgust those listening to him. They have never heard anything like this before. The misinterpretation of this is taking it in too much of a physical sense. That is, when one partakes in communion or the Eucharist, that they're literally eating Jesus' body and drinking his blood. In the context that Jesus is saying this in, and as often as Jesus did, he clearly means these words in their spiritual sense. It's not partaking in communion that saves you, right? It's not partaking in communion that saves you. As Jesus was clear about before, it is only through believing that he is all that he said he was and did all that he said he would do, that he is God and as God is the only perfect sacrifice for sins, rising again to prove everything he said about himself was true. That's what gives us eternal life, as Jesus says in 654. Believing in the one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood spiritually has eternal life. But that's just the beginning. What else does Jesus go on to say in verses 55 through 56? That his flesh is true food and his blood is true drink. In other words, again, taken spiritually, the essence and power of all Jesus is, both physically and spiritually, is our true spiritual sustenance. We need daily sustenance, both food and water, to not just survive, but to thrive. In the physical understanding of this, we simply cannot survive, let alone thrive, without eating food daily and drinking water daily, right? Think logically along with me uh, on this. Our bodies were created to be this way, and it doesn't matter what we think about it. When you're hungry, you got to get some food to eat. It doesn't matter what you think about it. Or when you're thirsty, you got to get some water to drink. Again, it doesn't matter what you think about it. That's just the way it is with our physical bodies. We cannot change it. We cannot ignore it. We cannot will it or wish it to be different than the way that it is. 
It's simply the truth of reality in the exact same way. So take that line of thinking along with me here. In the exact same way, especially in connection with our opening illustration, we simply cannot survive, let alone thrive, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, or psychologically without partaking in Jesus as our food and drink every day. You will be stunted spiritually if you don't do that. You will be stunted emotionally. You will not experience true mental or psychological healing. You will not thrive. You will not grow. You will not heal unless you partake in Jesus as your spiritual food and drink every day. I wouldn't say you would die spiritually, since if you are truly saved, you would never lose that salvation. You'll come pretty close to that. In other words, you will live life like a dead man walking, in a continual state of being tossed and fro by false doctrine, lies of this world, and constantly living in a state of fear, addiction, and hopelessness. While not all the way to death, it's a spiritual state completely riddled with disease. Now let me ask you, brothers and sisters, who wants that? Who wants to live their life like that? Especially knowing what the truth is. I'm glad I'm the only one raising my hand right now. If Jesus is in heaven right now, seated at the right hand of God the Father, however, how exactly... Do we partake in Jesus as our spiritual food and drink every day? Jesus also answered that question when he was in the middle of being spiritually attacked by Satan himself after he hadn't eaten in 40 straight days and was beyond famished. Luke 4.4, and Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. That is not the way we were created to just have physical hunger that needs physical sustenance. What Jesus was driving at and what the full reference is, is man shall not live on bread alone, but man shall live on everything that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. As one biblical scholar pointed out, just as our bodies, think of it this way, just as our bodies absorb the physical food and water we ingest, giving us energy, providing us with the nutrients to heal and to rebuild, and giving all of our organs, including our hearts and brains, the required vitamins and minerals and enzymes to function and work together well, it's the exact same with the spiritual sustenance of Jesus. Our spiritual selves or our souls. And what is that? Again, the very word of God. All of it. All of it is life and power and sustenance. Even if you don't think that what you're reading at any given point pertains to you or your current life situation, it's still being absorbed by your soul. 
which in a very real way is also absorbed by your emotional self, your mental self, and psychological self. Why? Because even if you're not conscious of it, every time you absorb the Word of God, your mind, including your emotional, mental, and psychological selves, is being transformed by the Holy Spirit. As Paul implores the Roman believers, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. See, a lot of people think that they can believe in Jesus and not believe that the Bible is God's word. You might think that's ridiculous, but a lot of people out there believe that. You know what that is? That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. That's what that is. A true faith in Jesus will lead you to see and know the Bible as God's word if you don't already. A life continually rejecting that truth means that you're one of those dead branches not actually connected to Jesus. And what will that end up with? Being hurled into the fire someday. Similarly, though, a lot of truly saved followers of Jesus see absorbing God's word as optional. Maybe add it, sprinkle it in every few days. Or come to church once a week. Get it then. <laughs> Let me ask you this logically. Can any of you eat one meal a week and then survive the whole rest of that week physically? No. So why do we think it's any different with our spiritual selves? It's not. A lot of truly saved followers of Jesus see absorbing God's word as optional. They think that it's not thoroughly crucial and imperative to their lives or who they are. You know what that is too? That's also just as much of a lie straight from the pit of hell. As we're seeing from John 6 and as we'll continue to see it reiterated in John 15, a requirement for the true believer is remaining, there's that word, remain, remaining in absorbing Jesus as daily sustenance through God's word. You cannot say, oh, I'm a follower of Jesus, but the daily partaking of his word, it's for other people, other more spiritual people, or other people who don't know it well, or just other people. I'm good. No, you're not. Let's be brutally honest here. That's the only way we grow. You need it every much as every other branch connected to and getting its only form of sustenance from the true vine. It's the same for everybody. If not, you'll starve of its nutrients and eventually shrivel up to near death. All right, good? Beyond that, though, 
in the immediate context of Jesus' words in John 15. God the Father is the vine dresser, right? Remember that? And he expects us to grow fruit. And that fruit can only be grown by remaining in Jesus. And the, and the way to remain in Jesus is in his word and in prayer. Remember from last week, we were chosen, we were created, and we were saved by God for him to grow his fruit in and to glorify him. This transformation of our hearts and minds by the Holy Spirit through the absorbing of the life, power, and nutrients of God's word goes hand in hand with the revelation and empowerment to follow the commands of God found in it. Again, Jesus said in the preceding chapter of this morning's passage, if you love me, we've read this so many times you can complete the sentence. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's what Jesus is getting at in verse 56. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me. The one who takes me in, absorbs me as spiritual sustenance, remains in me and I in him. Only the disciple who absorbs their daily spiritual sustenance from Jesus through God's word absorbs its life and power to heal and be transformed and through the empowering of the, Holy, uh, of the indwelling Holy Spirit seeks to, its, to, seeks to obey its commands in everyday life remains in Jesus and he in them. Yes, our salvation is based on God's grace through faith but it's nurtured and bears fruit through and is seen both by us and by others by the growth of it in its daily and continual feeding of it and obedience of it. All of that flows directly back into this morning's passage. In verse 4, Jesus simply reiterates what he already talked about back in chapter 6. All that we brought back up again. Remaining connected to the true vine of Jesus requires absorbing the sustenance and life and power from the true vine of Jesus through God's word and, as Jesus has said already, seeking to obey it through the Holy Spirit's transformation based on the sustenance of Jesus' salvation and God's word. As taught throughout the rest of the New Testament, including Jesus, prayer and continually connecting with God through open communication is also spiritual sustenance that feeds our souls. But we don't know what we should pray for or how we should pray unless we're learning and absorbing and obeying what? God's word. Yes, in our greatest times of darkness and suffering, the Holy Spirit will pray for us on our behalf, as Romans 8 teaches us. But by and large, the rest of the New Testament teaches that we need to be praying according to God's will. That's what the rest of the New Testament teaches, that we need to be praying according to God's will. The Holy Spirit brings back to our minds what God's will is, but we first learn 
what that is in the first place, again, from where? God's Word. See, the two go hand in hand, and both are required for our continual growth, nurturing, transformation, and fruit-bearing. You can't be sustained and nurtured only by prayer and not by absorbing and obeying God's Word on a daily basis. And you can't be sustained and nurtured only by reading your Bible and not continually spiritually connecting to and communing with the one who wrote it. All of that is wrapped up in Jesus' words of remaining in him and that he would remain in us. And all of that ultimately reliant upon the Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit being the Spirit of Jesus who remains in us, leading us to pray according to God's will and guiding us in the truth of his word that we seek to remain in. That flows immediately into what Jesus says next. We cannot bear fruit unless we remain in Jesus and he remains in us. I'm going to say that again. We cannot remain or we cannot bear fruit unless we remain in Jesus and he remains in us. Remember from last week, as the branch is simply connected to the true vine, we don't get to decide what fruit we get to bear. We don't have the right to determine what fruit Jesus would bear. We're already told who Jesus truly is, transcendent above what the culture thinks he should be, and we're already told what Jesus would do, both through the word of God that we're to remain in and the Holy Spirit confirming that. Therefore, like we also talked about last week, as branches simply connected to the true vine, we are to only bear fruit that is in conformity to what is already revealed about God in his word. Okay? We can't make it up. We are only to bear fruit that is in conformity to what is already, already revealed about God in his word. Since God the Father is the one who chose us before he laid the foundations of the universe and therefore saved us through his death and resurrection of God the Son, keeping us remaining in him through the sealing and indwelling Holy Spirit, he is also the one who grows this fruit in conformity to the image of God the Son in us. Indeed, as several Bible scholars point out in these verses, notice what the command is. Look at verses 4 and 5 again with me. Well, notice what the command is. Is the command to bear fruit? Is that what the command is? No, that's not what the command is. The command is not for us to bear fruit. The command is for us to remain in Jesus. That's what the command is. God's going to be doing the one, God's going to be the one that's going to be doing the growing of the fruit in us. What we're commanded to do is simply to remain in Jesus, receiving our daily sustenance through him, through his word and communing with God and through that process of us taking in those nutrients, life and power. It's God the Holy Spirit who grows those fruits in us. That's what the Apostle Paul refers to in Galatians as the fruits of the Spirit. They're his. They're his fruits. 
to grow in us through his transformation of us. The command, however, is through the preservation and power of the Holy Spirit to open ourselves up to and absorb the nutrients from God's word and prayer that directly lead to and nurture and growth of those fruits. Everybody still with me? Okay. Again, you will not see the growth of the fruits of the Spirit in you unless you are taking care to absorb the spiritual nutrients you need to. It's all directly connected to each other. And anybody who's done any amount of gardening or farming knows that. You can't have plants or trees that bear fruit, good fruit anyways, that's not all shriveled up, unless you are feeding that plant or tree. You build up the soil so that it can get, you give it what, it's need, what it needs so it can draw in the nutrients so it can bear fruit. It will not bear fruit. It will not bear good fruit unless you're giving it the nutrients that it needs. It's all directly connected to each other. So, if you don't care about what God's word says, or you don't think it's God's word, and you think it was a book only written by mere men, or you think it's disconnected from and irrelevant to today's society and culture, and you think it's just archaic, and you don't think you need to obey the commands for righteous living found in it, you're already dead. You're already dead. Since the fruits of Jesus and the Holy Spirit are only grown by way of remaining in God's word in prayer. If you are not remaining in God's word, you're not growing fruit. And as Jesus already stated in verse 2, that means you're dead. What's the stone-cold truth that Jesus follows up the crucial importance of remaining him with? Verse remaining in him with verse 6. If anyone does not abide or remain in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Not my words. Taking in the context of everything else recorded about what Jesus said, these branches were always dead to begin with. They're not branches who forsook remaining in Jesus and his word, lost their salvation, and therefore died. As we've already been talking about, these are branches that think they're alive. They think they're followers of Jesus, and they think they're good with God without ever repenting of their sins and living for Jesus. These are branches who think they can believe and love Jesus and throw the Bible out the window. The stone-cold truth about these branches who think they're alive, but they've always been really dead, is this. If you think you're good with God simply because you don't think you're a bad person, but you've never come to God in prayer, repented of your sin, and taken Jesus as having paid for your sin as a substitute on your behalf, committing your life to him as king, 
you will face the exact same eternal destination as the one who mocked and rejected God his or her entire life. As Jesus says in verse 6, you will die someday, just as with everybody else. Chopped off, physically withered up, and your soul will go to a place of torment only to look forward to a resurrection to be judged and condemned before the throne of God and then thrown into the lake of fire where you will be physically, emotionally, mentally, and psychologically tortured for eternity. And I love you too much to not tell you that. All of that is in God's word, and it's the stone-cold truth. For those of us who have repented of our sin, have accepted Jesus as our Savior from that sin, and have surrendered our lives to him as king, live every day in the life-giving power of remaining in the true vine of Jesus. To borrow from one of our visiting missionaries recently, this is not a multivitamin you take as an add-on to your life and spiritual diet. It is your life and spiritual diet. In addition, contrary to popular belief, you cannot eat too much nutritious food. You can eat too much unhealthy junk food and then have to deal with the health ramifications of that, but you will only ever reap beneficial health rewards from eating nutrient-dense and chemical-free food. In the same way, you can never read, study, and absorb too much from God's word and prayer. It will only ever be of more benefit to your spiritual life and health. And you will only ever reap more spiritual rewards and life from it. Absorbing God's word and communing with God in prayer on a daily basis is truly our source of life, healing, and power. Strip everything else away out of your way of thinking and your life. Absorbing God's word and communing with God in prayer on a daily basis is truly our only source of life, healing, and power. If you feel weak, and you feel burnt out, and you feel beyond discouragement, take a break from or give up other things stealing your time and simply get back into absorbing the life and power of the Word of God. Being connected to Almighty God in prayer and allowing the Holy Spirit to transform your heart and mind. This is your life and your healing. Don't ignore it. Like we talked about last week, God may be allowing this season in your life of feeling burnt out and weak and beyond discouragement. God may be allowing this season in your life to shout at you that certain things that are not directly helping you spiritually grow and are rather distracting you and stealing time and resources away from what he wants you to be doing need to be pruned out of your life. Look for those things that God needs to prune out of your life in order 
to bear more and better fruit and surrender them to him to prune off. I hear a pin drop in here. If you are daily absorbing God's word and connecting with him in prayer, and you see the fruit being grown as a result of that, keep realizing and seeing the crucial importance of that to everything that you are. A lot of true followers of Jesus merely think reading the Bible is just, it's just something you're supposed to do. It's just something good that we're supposed to do as believers, a box to check off on each day. Yes, it's something good for us to do as believers, an aspect of what we see here, but we have to also see beyond that for all that reading and absorbing this, for all that it's worth. As Jesus combines this with in John 6 and 15, reading or listening to and absorbing God's word on a daily basis is our only source of life. As Jesus stated directly to Satan, we were not created to live just on physical food. We can only survive, let alone thrive, by taking in the spiritual food on a daily basis. When God originally created us, he created us to also live on spiritual food. That never changed. In essence, the connection with himself. He spent intimate time with man and woman in the garden. It was our sin that broke that connection of life. And it was God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus' death and resurrection and restored that connection to life. Brothers and sisters, I implore you, don't let the world or selfishness or apathy make that connection to life weak again. There's no reason for it. We cannot survive without the daily absorption of God's word and connection to God in prayer. We cannot survive. Don't think you're different from anybody else. You cannot survive without it. That's why those who never have that are already dead. And they will be thrown into the lake of fire. We need to keep taking this in every day in order to survive. First of all, but beyond that, to enjoy the blessings of full spiritual life in this dark and hopeless world. It's our source of life in every way and in every aspect of our lives. It's not an add-on. It is our only source of life in every way and in every aspect of our lives. It gives us the truth about who God is. The only way we can have salvation and eternal life to look forward to. How he indwells us and grows us. What he's doing in our lives and what he'll do in future prophetic events of the end of the world. It renews our hope and joy and peace. It transforms our hearts and minds to stay in that peace and not get dragged down by the world and its lies and fears. 
It gives us the redemptive healing we need spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and psychologically. It gives us the power we need to face the challenges of everyday life, the addictions that always threaten to trap us again, and the spiritual battles always being hurled at us. It gives us the wisdom to know how to wisely handle the finances God entrusts to us, and that when we're faithful to him with little, he'll entrust us with more to be even more faithful to him with. It gives us the strength and wisdom to know how to raise our kids and how to handle different situations with them and answer all their many, many questions that they have about God, about faith, about life, and about this world, what's going on in this world. It gives us the simple and clear way we must view everything going on around us in our culture, in our country, and in the world, so that we're not also confused along with everybody else and tossed to and fro. And at the end of everything, whether we die of natural causes or of a horrific accident, and we're laying there knowing we're about to die, it gives us the overwhelming peace of the truth of knowing who our soul will immediately go into the presence of and that the loved ones we leave behind are still in the care of our good and perfect Father. Through God the Holy Spirit, remain in the life-giving power of the spiritual sustenance of God's word and prayer. And God the Son will continue to grow the fruit that God the Father, as the vine dresser, desires and expects to grow in us. And we will be the benefactors of remaining in and connected to the source of life, the only source of life in the here and now, eternal life, and the source of hope, joy, peace, and love. Open yourself up to and eat and drink deeply from it till you overflow with it. All of Jesus' words in John 15, 4 through 6 are directly connected to what had already been revealed about in God's word. And as a reminder of this, especially as it pertains to us, as disciples of Jesus at Fellowship Church. Everybody get a bulletin today? I want you to take it. Show me you took a bulletin today. Okay, now flip it to the very front. You see a Bible reference on there? What is that? Psalm 1-3. That verse is connected to our church's logo, and as I read this, you'll see this. It should sound extremely familiar with what we've been looking at this morning in John 15, 4 through 6. Psalm 1, 3 says this. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, always bearing fruit, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you 
for this morning's passage and how it all connects with everything else in your word. We were created to not just survive and thrive on physical sustenance, physical food, but we were also created to only survive and thrive on spiritual food. And Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here who feels weak, feels hungry, feels burnt out, Lord, I pray that they would surrender what needs to be surrendered to you to be pruned off with stealing their time and resources and joy from them and that they would simply just get back to the basics, get back to reading and listening to and absorbing the nutrients and, 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 and um, power and life from your word. And let that, no matter what it is they're reading or listening to, sink deep within themselves, absorb it deeply, and let it transform through your Holy Spirit their hearts and minds. To see things the way that you want us to see them. To be given your peace, your joy, and to derive our life from it. It is our only source of life. So Lord, I pray that we would, if we've gotten lax in that, if we've gotten apathetic about it, I pray that you would drive us back to it. And that those of us who do daily partake of this spiritual sustenance each day, I pray that you would renew in us a fervor to see it more for what it is. And that we would surrender every aspect of our lives to its life, to its transformative power. And that we may all be made more and more into the image and likeness of your Son. I pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.